Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. All right, Adam, I kind of just now want to take a step back and let's just go through some games, some big games of the weekend. It is rivalry weekend, and we'll go in chronological order. So Thanksgiving, we have the Egg Bowl. Last week, my favorite bet of the weekend was Arkansas. I thought this was a great spot for Arkansas. They're at home. They were getting healthier. K.J. Jefferson returned. And I just truly believed that Ole Miss was going to be checked out after they lost to Alabama. You could sense that from Lane Kiffin. And now the rumors are really starting to ramp up, right? I heard Bruce Feldman talk about it on his podcast over the weekend that he thought it was a 75% chance that Lane Kiffin is the head coach of Auburn, you know, come next week. Is that starting to seep in there in Oxford? And what are your expectations? This is a home game. You know, for Ole Miss, they were a road dog at Arkansas uh, and got absolutely pummeled. I didn't think the score was even indicative. I think it was 42 to six after three quarters. And then you've got Mississippi State, who has been so Jekyll and Hyde this year. Is this a spot where Mississippi State is a live dog here as a two and a half point underdog? I certainly think so. I mean, look, Ole Miss did rack up 703 yards of offense last week, but their last four possessions, they had 96, 88, 86, and then four plays, 53 yards to end the game. So they put up a lot of yardage in garbage time, and and there was a lot of garbage time in that game. So definitely a little bit of a hangover for Ole Miss. I'll draw a parallel with what we're seeing at a program like Liberty, where it looks like Hugh Freeze is definitely on the way out, and they've just laid two eggs the last couple of weeks there, the Flames have losing outright last week to Virginia Tech. These players know these things. They can sense these things. They, they're they also thinking about their contingency plans of, mm-hmm. well, if this coach who made promises to me is leaving, well, I'm jumping in the transfer portal because that's easier than ever before. So there's also that. It's, part of it is seems maybe kind of quitting on the season a little bit and possibly we'll talk about one potentially in Miami later on in the show. But some of it is also when the writing's on the wall with a coach, you know, these kids kind of take it personally and they're starting to think about where they're going to go. And maybe that's the case here for Ole Miss, where if they beat Alabama, is it a different story? I don't know. But, you know, this week, it, it you do really wonder how invested the Rebels are going to be. And to your point, as you said, Mississippi State has been very, very inconsistent kind of all over the place. 
they're still a tough team to defend because they stretch you out. They throw the ball all over the field. Will Rogers a really good fit for this uh, offensive scheme that the Bulldogs have. If Arkansas or if Ole Miss is not prepared coming out of that Arkansas game, they can absolutely lose this game and lose it in ugly fashion. So I want no part of Ole Miss in this game. It would be Mississippi State or nothing for me in the Egg Bowl. Well, and a lot of thought on this one is why I would lean towards Mississippi State. Probably not going to be official play for me on Mississippi State, but you know Mississippi State had a de facto bye week last week, right? They played East Tennessee State. They won 56-7. to Ole Miss just got their ass kicked in Fayetteville in a physical game, and now you have a four-day turnaround for a Thanksgiving showdown. You are at home, fortunately, but... I, I do wonder if Mississippi State just comes out slinging here early on in this one. And, you know, Mike Leach has not beaten uh, Ole Miss. He's 0-2. Lane Kiffin's 2-0 uh, in this spot, some close games. So, yeah, I, I would lean towards Mississippi State here uh, in this one. Mike Pretty- Leach, also a guy not concerned with running it up. If he gets the chance, I he'll be very happy to do that. <laughs> uh, let's get to Friday where a pretty good-sized slate and a game I- I'm going to try to go – relatively in chronological order and and when these games kick off and a game that you pointed out which is Boise State and Utah State you wrote up Utah State last weekend on the website I was going to do it as well I saw that you wrote it up I'm like yeah Adam's got this one taken care of I gave it out here on the podcast Utah State went up quick against San Jose State tried to blow it but ultimately won the game 35-31 so thank you very much Aggies they get to bowl eligibility Boise State, on the other hand, and why are we talking at this game so early? Because it's starting at 10 a.m. local time there in uh, Boise, Idaho. I don't know if it's a sleepy start. That is a massive number for Boise State to be covering here in a spot against Utah State. It is right now 16 and a half. I actually see 117 out there uh, at William Hill Caesars at uh, on, on Monday afternoon. So definitely give me Utah State in this game. If we revisit best bets later in the show, Utah State's going to be one for me getting 16 and a half here. Boise State has absolutely nothing to play for except for a perfect record in conference play. If they're worried about that, so be it. But they just beat Wyoming on the road to win the Mountain Division, punch their ticket to take on Fresno State next week in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. So they play in extreme elevation in Laramie against Wyoming. Now they turn around, play a short week game early in the morning on the Smurf turf. And I get it. Look, Utah State, they just clinched bowl eligibility last week. Good win for them against San Jose State. But I think they still show up here. I think just kind of the the person that Blake Anderson is, the way that they're rooting for him. They just cashed him a $75,000 bonus last week, by the way. Um, just I feel like they're going to show up for him. Whereas for Boise State, for them, it's about beating Fresno State. You know, Mm -hmm. if they win this game, that's great. They don't need to do it with style points. It doesn't really matter. And it's an early kickoff. And Boise is locked up home field too, right? Yeah. There's another game, and I'll get to it on Saturday, which will be a best meta of mine. You got to keep that in mind. What are these teams playing for? And it's a lot of points, man, against Mm -hmm. a Utah State team that, yeah, they're not great if you watch them on Saturday night, but they're capable and they're well coached. They've dealt with some injuries, obviously, most particularly at the quarterback position, but you know, sitting here right now, a 17 is available for Utah State. Yeah, I would have to certainly look at Utah State. Uh, I want to jump. There's up. another game that's actually along the same lines. Toledo and Western Michigan, also at 12 o'clock Eastern kickoff, where Toledo, Daquan Finn's been hurt. He's been banged up. He's been kind of in and out of the lineup. Toledo's already in the MAC championship game. They don't have to worry about this game on the road in Kalamazoo at all. That is a neutral site game in Detroit for the MAC championship. So no home field, anything like that on the line. 
Western Michigan did just beat Central last week and did win Victory Cannon or whatever it is that they get for doing that. But Toledo has nothing to play for and their quarterback's not going to play. Western Michigan's only getting seven and a half here. This line would be higher, but we know that Daquan Finn's not going to play in all likelihood in this game. But that's another one. And you want to look for those spots here this week where there are some teams that just have absolutely nothing to play for other than staying healthy. Toledo is one of these teams. So if that line looks short to you and it's very short compared to my power ratings, sometimes it's built in. Sometimes it's not. I don't think it is for Utah State, but I think it is for Toledo and Western Michigan. So that's one where I think the market has already responded, but you may find other opportunities where the line is not indicative of what we can expect. Staying on Friday and we'll, we'll try to bounce around and, and hit as many games as possible. Missouri hosting Arkansas, one of the, what, 15 teams with five wins trying to get the bowl eligibility. Arkansas, as we mentioned, got there last week. I like the way Arkansas is playing right now, but there's a lot on the line here for Missouri at home. They're catching three. Clearly the market early on, open five at Circa. As of Monday, it's down to three. If I could catch a three and a half, which I see at DraftKings, I would be intrigued here in Missouri at home. And do they save Eli Drinkowitz's job if they get to a bowl? I think it's very well possible. You know, this team played close against Georgia. Uh, they played their ass off against Florida as well. I think Missouri is pretty live here against Arkansas. You know, you saw Arkansas put a whole lot of that effort into that win on senior night, uh, their first night game. And now you turn around, you're going to play a mid-afternoon game, short week. I think Missouri's got an opportunity here to uh, to potentially knock off Arkansas. Yeah, and for Missouri, I think this is something else that's important to kind of think about. You know, you get that second-to-last game of the regular season where, you know, Alabama's playing Austin P. You know, you have some teams that just aren't playing anybody. Missouri played New Mexico State, who's one of the worst teams in the country on an annual basis. Maybe it wasn't super impressive winning 45-14, but they knew they were going to win that game. And if you know you need two wins for bowl eligibility, what are you going to do? You're going to start prepping for Arkansas, and you're going to do a lot of that throughout the week. So Missouri effectively has probably had a week and a half to two weeks to prepare for Arkansas, whereas the Razorbacks definitely had to worry about that game against Ole Miss last week. One other thing that's worth mentioning about this line move, though, and, and this is an important thing. You won't obviously see as much of this the rest of this season, but file it away for next season. I just talked about it. Ole Miss had 703 yards last week against Arkansas. They outgained the Razorbacks by more than by 200 yards in that game. When you see a misleading box score where Ole Miss hung 700 yards and got blown out in the game anyway, you typically see line moves that happen as a result of that. So it may have been people just looking surface level at the Arkansas Ole Miss game and saying, oh, well, I'm going to bet against Arkansas. They gave up 700 yards. How can I bet on a team that gave up 700 yards? Well, keep the context in mind. Because Ole Miss gained a lot of that in garbage time, so just forty-two to, to six away. after three quarters. Right, just something for you to file away for next season as you're kind of looking at early week line moves and understanding where they come from. Yeah, Raheem Sanders, by the way, went off for Arkansas, so would be a worry about backing Mizzou here uh, in this spot as he went for two hundred and thirty-two in that victory against uh, against Arkansas. Uh, keeping it rolling here, Adam. On when you look at you know Black Friday spots. Uh, Arizona and Arizona State. This is a game that we mentioned with Matt. He likes Arizona. He laid, uh, I believe he laid three with Arizona. That's up to four. So four. that will be one of his best bets. I tend to agree with him here. I mean, what is Arizona State right now? Obviously, coaching transition. 
and revenge on the mind. And this is what Matt uh, uh, mentioned. And I could certainly get on board with Arizona in this spot in the Territorial Cup trying to get a win over their rival, which, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about it off the air that Arizona State won this game 70-7. to And Arizona State, after their win against, what was it, Colorado, uh, they've kind of just been a corpse, right? Lost to UCLA, lost to Washington State, lost at Oregon State last week. They're going on the road to Tucson here. I think you're going to get one team that's really excited. I don't know what you're going to get from Arizona State here. Yeah, and these are two teams that bowl eligibility is off the table unless there aren't enough teams with six wins and then maybe they get a call from the NCAA. But this is the bowl game for these two teams here. Arizona State's won five in a row. You mentioned 70-7 to back in 2020, the COVID year. It was also 38-15 last year in favor of Arizona State. So you got basically five-year revenge for Arizona here. This is the first game in Tucson as well since 2018. They played three straight games in Tempe. The last game in Tucson, 41-40 in favor of Arizona State. So the Wildcats definitely with a lot in their minds here in this one. Uh, Arizona State had a little bit of a bump right after Herm Edwards was yep. canned. And then, as you mentioned, they really haven't been all that great since. Arizona beating UCLA a couple of weeks ago. I like Arizona in this game. My line's Wildcats minus five. I think laying the four is okay. I Sometimes teams are just ready to be done with the season. And I could definitely see Arizona State falling into that mold where they have a lot of uncertainty coming. Whereas Arizona's building something with Jed Fish, this is a good way to kind of culminate this season for the Wildcats and keep that trend line moving up. So I think Arizona's the play here. Yeah, I I would agree as well. A couple more on Friday before we head to the Saturday slate. And uh, real quickly on UCLA Cal, Obviously, UCLA loses to USC. They've now lost two in a row. Cal beats their rival. Look, Cal is not a very good offensive team, as we know, you know, rinse, repeat each and every year. They fired their offensive coordinator just a couple of weeks ago. They beat Stanford. My initial look was Cal here. It's sitting there at 10 and a half. However, the market is going the other way, so that's giving me a little pause. Open 10, went down to nine, back to 10 and a half here on Monday. I'm just curious, and I'll probably lay off of this, but I'm curious what UCLA's mindset is heading into this game. You know, Cal, they're not going to go to a bowl game. UCLA, I believe through weird tiebreakers, they're not completely dead yet to make it to the Pac-12 championship. If crazy things happen, it seems like a long shot. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson was walking off the field. He's banged up. And he was crying. I mean, they 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 wanted that USC game bad. He throws the backbreaking pick late in that one. But what is the mindset of Cal, or excuse me, UCLA, Adam, heading into this game? I would look a little bit toward the Golden Bears here. Haven't made the play yet, uh, but that would be the the way I would look. I couldn't lay the ten and a half with UCLA. No, I couldn't either. My line's ten on this game. So, and and the thing about it is, when you when you create power ratings in the last week of the regular season, your numbers matter but they matter less than they do at any other point because you have all of these intangibles these situational spots you're trying to play amateur psychologists with these teams and all of that it really doesn't take a psychology degree though to figure out that ucla is just they have to be downtrodden they have to be a team that is probably having a really tough week in practice here this week maybe there's some motivation to have a 10 win season because if you win this game and win your bowl game you win 10 games and you know, teams kind of like those round numbers and all that, but I, there's no way I could lay UCLA here. And, and maybe the market's just moving that way because there's so much better than Cal, but you know, I, I think the great equalizer here is 
how invested is UCLA? And the truth of it is, you don't have to bet this game pre-flop. You mm-hmm. can watch the first quarter. If UCLA looks engaged, then you can decide what you want to do with it. Yeah, 4.30 Eastern kickoff for that one at Cal. Florida, Florida State. A little buzz taken out of this one after Florida's loss last week to Vanderbilt, which I actually thought was going to be maybe a letdown spot for Vandy, but not the case. Uh, Florida State is one of the hotter teams in college football right now. And if we had the expanded playoff, I don't know if they'd get in, but they're not a team that I don't think that many people want to face right now. They're playing very good football. Um, I thought the the UL Lafayette game was just a weird spot. We talked about it uh, on Monday's pod, my, and they went out. My and bet was dead like five minutes into that game. They pummeled the Raging Cajuns. So Florida State laying nine, nine and a half here against Florida Prime time. This one will be in Tallahassee. There's no doubt there will be a ton of juice there. Great rivalry, but it's been a while since this was kind of a, a really good rivalry, uh, especially with the Knowles. Do the Knowles exercise some demons on set on Friday night? I think they do. And honestly, I have Florida State up to being tied for fifth in my power ratings. Wow. That's how impressed I've been with this team. And and also their lines have really been running out here as well. I have them up there with Texas on the five spot. And to be fair, there's a big gap after the first four teams in my power ratings and then everybody else. But for Florida State, I, I've been thoroughly impressed. You know, I mean, the thing of it is they haven't played anybody for a while, so there is that. But you do want to give them credit for hanging at least 38 points in each of their last four games. They haven't given up more than 17. Are they kind of emerging maybe as the Penn State of the ACC where they struggle against good teams and just completely truck the bad teams? That's a possibility. Florida's not a bad team, so we'll kind of find that out here this week. My line's 12 and a half, so it's a little bit higher than the market, but you get this, and Florida State hasn't won in Tallahassee over Florida since 2016. They didn't play in 2020, the COVID year. The last time they played in Tallahassee was 41-14 Florida. So I really think Florida State gets completely amped for this game. They're the team playing better. They're the team playing really, really well at this point in time. Uh, I think the Seminoles definitely win this game. Do they cover? We'll see. But if they win and cover this game, that shows me the growth and the maturation of this team to not just be somebody that beats up on the bullies, but also be somebody that can punch in their own weight class as well. And final game for Friday, and I I jumped over. I was trying to go in chronological order, uh, but based off of its rotation number, it was actually on the bottom here. And after UCF lost to Navy... Tulane and Cincinnati are playing for home field in the American Athletic Conference championship game. And this is assuming that UCF beats USF, which I would imagine they will. But what a big opportunity for either one of these schools, more specifically Tulane, to host the AAC championship game. And I was really impressed about Tulane uh, for Tulane that on a short week after you lose to UCF in a massive spot at home, and they turned around and absolutely hammered SMU. Uh, you know, they went 59 to 24. They run all over them. You know, Tulane has got a stud in Tajay Spears. Uh, Michael Pratt is, you know, does enough and can and utilize his legs. He scored three touchdowns in the ground. I've just not been that impressed by Cincinnati this year. Certainly, you lose eight, nine guys to the pros at you know the group of five level. It's going to be hard to reload. Um, you know, give them credit to where they are now, playing for an opportunity to play in this game. But kind of like Tulane here is a short road dog against Cincinnati. So this is a really, really strange set of circumstances in the AAC. So the winner is in. The and loser. Hosting. 
winds up going into a weird tiebreaker scenario in which UCF actually beat both Cincinnati and Tulane during the regular season. So all kinds of different moving parts in this one. But, you know, the, the main takeaway here is win and you're in. And as you said, you're also hosting the game. Cincinnati is just they're such a tough team to figure out because they've been winning games, but there's very few impressive wins from what they've done this year. They beat SMU by two. If I remember, they got badly outgained in that game. I know you kind of ran down some of their uh, well, achievements just, or lack just, thereof. Let's just go back, right? So since they really got going in the AAC, they beat Tulsa by 10 on the road. They beat South Florida by four. SMU, as you mentioned, by two. They lose to UCF in, in kind of a crazy game. Uh, you know, Mikey Keene has to come in for John Reese Plumley. Then they beat Navy, don't cover, which I guess looks better now because Navy is apparently a quality football team. They they beat East Carolina, which is which is a decent win, you know, at home, but not you know they don't cover in that game. And then they beat Tulane, you know, twenty three to three. I think they did cover the closing number in that one. So I, I just overall nothing has really jumped out about Cincinnati. Uh, they're in the top twenty five, I believe, right now for the AP at least. I just think I just like what I see from Tulane. I think they've got a really, really stout run defense. They've got dudes who can run the ball and Tajay Spears, as I mentioned. So I think this spot for Tulane is is a really good spot. And, you know, both are really well coached. I don't I don't know if there's a coaching advantage one way or the other. Willie Fritz is a damn good coach. Luke Fickle, you could argue, is a you know top ten coach in the in the sport. So I think both coaches are really quality. Um, but I just I lean right now towards Tulane here and the market, at least early in the week agrees a little bit open three it's been bet down to two yeah so Cincinnati badly outgained SMU they outgained it by 120 yards they avoided a game tying two-point conversion in that game but then a few weeks later when they beat East Carolina by two they got outgained by 144 yards and East Carolina had the ball for 37 minutes in that game so on a week-to-week basis you don't really know what you're getting from Cincinnati Tulane is at least relatively projectable I know that they had that home loss to UCF but other than that you know, they've taken care of their affairs, won most of their games by double digits here in conference play. I was actually surprised that I pretty much fell right on the number from a power rating standpoint. I have Cincinnati minus three. As you mentioned, it's down to two now. Um, I This game, I think it's close. That's all I, I can say. I think it's close. I don't know who wins it, but I think it plays to that tight expectation, a little bit of a lower scoring expectation. Great football game in that noon window on Friday. I know people are going to be talking about a lot of other games, both on Friday and Saturday, but great football game between two really good group of five teams. 